Hey, welcome to the... Oh, I almost forgot the name of the show. <laughs> I'm pretty sure our one view listener has as well. Yeah, well, it's a recap. It's the nameless podcast with your boy Mo Aldo, Mohamed Abdelhamid, or Mo Dao, depending on who you are. And introduce yourself, baby girl. It's your friend, Jamie. Just, just Jamie. Yeah. Or Nil, depending on if freaky or not. Badman Jamie. I know, it's Jamie been a Batman. while, Mo. How you been? It's like we haven't spoken in a while. Jesus Christ. What's going on in Mo's life? I'm home, as you can tell. You probably can't if you're listening in. But I'm back <clears throat> with the parentals. It's Ramadan. I hate saying Ramadan. Ramadan, like these white boys. It's Ramadan. Ramadan. And I'm fasting, as you can tell. I have no energy. And uh, life is good, you know? You know? Just getting on with the car. How about you, Jamie boy? Well, you know, working. Gyms are back open again, so I finally have a personality. I can. Have you gone back? Mate, I'm there six o'clock every morning. Oof, look at that. Look at that dedication. We I love know. it. I actually met Raj today at a gym. I went to his gym. I thought, oh, you know what? It'd be nice to work out with him. It's been a while. I haven't seen him in ages. So, yeah. yeah how's he doing? Work out. He's doing good, you know. Busy with work as yeah. well. Everyone's mm-hmm. growing up. When did this happen? When did we When did we do this? When did we grow up? You know what? I was thinking about this. I don't think it's just the fact that we've grown up. We've grown up, yes. But the, I think this period, or these past, like, what? 16 17 and 16 months where we've kind of been in this pandemic this is a time where you're really supposed to kind of grow up as a group as well like a friendship group we haven't had a chance to you know everyone started to, you know socialize slightly within a group but as soon as that pandemic hit we've all just been indoors so it's just boredom it's been boredom ever since but hopefully now everything's starting to open up again we may be able to bring the group back together yeah hopefully like june you were saying right i think so but i i have a feeling that it's going to be sooner um, I don't know why. I think they're gonna reopen the airports in May uh, or mid-May or end of May. Actually, I'm not sure. It was like 22nd or something. And if that goes well, if that's successful, there's no real reason to postpone, you know, opening up the country again. So enjoy, enjoy and fun and happiness. Yeah. Okay. So I'm looking forward to that. Yeah, it'd be great just to be out again and about. Yeah. In crowds of people. <laughs> you say that though. But I I don't know how comfortable I'm gonna be in actual crowds. I will not be comfortable. I'll be wearing a mask. I'm going to be honest with you. I got used to it. I'm actually enjoying wearing a mask. I, I like it. I don't have to do the bottom part of my face and I got mysterious eyes. Oh, God, right. Yeah, exactly. I guess that's what the burger's about, you know? You don't really know what's going on behind the mask. You just... Hey. You roll the dice with it, really, don't you, with the mask? Exactly. And I love it. Um, but now that everything's opened up slightly, other than the gym, have you found yourself actually doing anything like social? What is it? Six people outside now? Well, obviously, like... I've been to visit family but then a social bubble so i went to a bar yesterday just like an outdoor bar my brother-in-law just grabbed a pint because mm. the weather was nice and we thought we're going to be safe we wear a mask and we just grab one drink and go home and that's what we did and we stayed Tough away that. from everyone else but i heard that the uh, bars and pubs in the majority of the country have literally been booked up until like, june july <laughs> that is uh, correct people. i tried i a week before they opened up in wolverhampton you couldn't get one until the end of May. You couldn't get a table anywhere at any time of day. So I was very lucky yesterday just to walk in and have a spot. Did you see the queues uh, on the first day when they reopened the pubs? The queue was queues around the uh, around the country were literally going around the corner. Okay, guys. You know, literally... For those that don't know, me and Mo went to Coventry University, and there were images released of the students in Coventry queuing up. Was it Coventry? Oh yes. my lord! Around the corner, 
at 12 o'clock at night to grab a pint. I uh, say I was like 29, 18 to like 21. I would probably be in that crowd. Yeah, peer pressure. We would have been there. Yeah. I don't even drink out of Europe. I don't, yeah. you know, it's just what people, students do. Looking at it now, I think, what a bunch of idiots. Yeah. That's how I know I've matured. Yeah. What, 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 no, what, what, three, did you say three out? No, um, we're actually 27. Well, I'm 27, you're 30. I don't know about you. <laughs> when did this, me. I'm not 30. I'm not 30. Jeez, I'm 23. Three? <laughs> you're going to go with 23? <laughs> I, I feel 23. I thought I, it was reasonable with 27. No, I identify as 23, okay? <laughs> All right. No, I'll put my hands up. That's what you identify as. All right. All right, Mo. Please tell me what Ramadan is, because all I know is that you just don't eat until like half eight when the sun goes down. You know what? I'm glad you asked that. It's actually really embarrassing this year. I haven't done anything Ramadan related other than just like fast. And fasting is like the, the most basic aspect of Ramadan. Like when you think about Ramadan as a, as a whole concept, yeah, okay, we don't eat, we don't drink for like from sunrise to sunset. But you're really supposed to be like super spiritual, you know, get your prayers in be charitable, think about others, think about yourself. Like it's really like an intrinsic moment, right? Like 30 days of just you focusing on yourself. What have I done? I've just slept through it. I've just, I've not eaten, not drank, and I've just been in bed. It's honestly, I'm ashamed. I'm ashamed of myself this year. But that is the, that's the idea behind Ramadan. It's really about, you know, taking a moment outside of your day-to-day life and really just focusing on what your priorities are, more from like a spiritual level than a, just like, oh, what do I need to do? To, <laughs> what, what are my goals for 2021? It's more about, okay, how, how, how am I doing? How's my, uh, I don't know how to explain it. How's like my faith? Yeah. Yeah. Like challenge your faith for a second, you know, like your, oh, we call it like your Iman, but like, what's that? Your, yeah, your faith. Yeah. Like challenge your faith. You know, how, how faithful have you been in this period? You know, can you be more faithful? You know, that's the, that's the idea behind like praying. That's why people pray a lot. There's this prayer at the end of the day. It's called Taraweeh brother it's long <laughs> we used to go to the mosque at like i don't even know maybe 10 we'd be leaving at one imagine imagine honestly the only way i can explain it it's like a hit workout for three hours you're up and down up and down for three hours doing a prayer and the standing is actually the hardest bit because you know you're supposed to re- obviously you probably know when you, when muslims pray we recite two prayers and then bow down i guess uh there's a term for it but i, I don't know what it is anymore. Uh, you bow down, come back up, and you wait again while the person prays again. And when you're at home, you can choose the short prayers, right? You can just choose the two, three verse prayers, get it in, you're done. When you're in a mosque, the imam, like the guy, the guy at the front, he tries to show off a bit sometimes. He goes for those like, 99 verse prayers, you know, he goes in. And imagine standing, trying to focus as well, because it's not just about you standing there, like listening. It's about focusing on your prayer, focusing on yourself for an hour. Jamie, it's so painful. <laughs> it is such a painful experience. But yeah, I mean, with COVID, mosques have really been closed, so people haven't really been doing it. But we try and pray at home. But I don't know, this year has just been, I need to do better. There's 10 days left. I'll, I'll do better. you got time. So with yeah. those hour-long prayers, how does your back cope? My back would be dying. Oh, halfway through. It's, it's your back and your knees. Ooh. Your knees at some stage just start to give out. Like they're just, I'm tired. We've been standing for too long. Your shoulders start to ache. And because you have your arms up as well, like your arms should be around, um, positioned over your heart. Your biceps are hurting, your elbows, everything, your whole body. Take that's faith for you. <laughs> you go through all of that on a daily. Yeah. That's dedication. Days. That is dedication. Hey, hey I would be uh, there trying to bake a 
a ligament damage in my knee saying oh, I can't stand for that long I need a seat <laughs> yeah it's funny as well when we used to have a like family get-togethers like during Ramadan there'd always be one uncle or one family friend who everyone knew okay this person knows his prayers you know this guy's it's educated in the verse so when he stands up to go to the front I remember I used to just be like you know what I'm, out. I'm bowing out <laughs> I'm bowing out I'm, I'm tired I can't but like well, there's a couple of uncles though who just you know do the two three prayers and then that'd be it but Jesus Christ yeah some people I mean I, I'm not I, I shouldn't be complaining because it's, it's faith but yeah sometimes it's long and I'm worried more about when I'm an older man joints aren't what they used to be your back isn't what it used to be you're just you're you're aged my goodness that's going to be a painful experience I'm not looking forward to that but then, a lot, then again a lot of older people will sit on a chair when they pray, pray. low-key I want to I want to like maybe question that like social norm like why can't young people sit on a chair I'm tired I'm tired like <laughs> it's been an hour let me sit down but I don't know I guess like it's like we have to sit on the floor when we go to the god and I guess like a humbling thing yeah. so you, you sit below everything mm. But I, I, I need to start practicing sitting cross-legged because my cousin's wedding's coming up and I'm at yeah. the temple. And I don't know, man, I, I struggle. I can't sit there cross-legged for too long. I'm like moving about, shimmying and shaking. I'm going to struggle. I'm going to die. Thankfully, I have to get up at some point to like stand around, book and like pass her around as she walks around seven times. Oh, yeah, yeah. So I'm involved in that, which is nice. That's nice, yeah. I like. I remember Olu's wedding as well. Luckily, at the church we had chairs, but we again we have to mm-hmm. keep standing up for the songs. But don't you feel like the standing, the standing kind of yeah? Because I remember when I went to our friends' weddings in, in Gurdwaras, you guys go for the distance when it comes to sitting down. You know, it's it's a while. You're sat down for a while, so your ass is finished. But at least if you're like Olu's wedding, you know, it's a Christian wedding, you're at least getting to stand. For a couple of minutes, you know, like wake the butt up a bit and then you can sit back down. But when you're just sat nonstop, oof, literally feels like you're sat on your pelvis, on the pelvis bone itself. I, I was looking at half these people, Chaz included, like proper thinking, what dickheads? Why are they showing off for? Look at them. Blazers <laughs> off, just leaning back. It's like, this is normal. I got yeah. this. I can go another hour. I was there. You know what they should make? That's it. That's the idea I was, I'm, I'm about to hit you with. Um, Dragon's Den, let's go. We should make something that's like a brace for your back for like religious temples. So essentially, you just you slide it down your t-shirt or whatever you're wearing, and it just keeps you upright. And yeah, you, you can lean back on it, and you're not gonna fall back on the person behind you. You're just upright. Raj had one of those. He wore one of those under his suit. Are you serious? It's yeah, a thing. It's a thing. Please, I, I'm googling this because listen, those prayers are long. They are long, and then the, like you have to keep getting up, sitting down, and everything as well. Mm. Oh mm. God. I'm not looking forward to that. So I need to you know, start doing more stretching to prepare myself <laughs> for her wedding. Speaking of yeah. her wedding, I think her wedding is going to be amazing. She's got this format, which I think has just blown my mind. I think it's amazing. So because of COVID, mm-hmm. we have to limit the numbers of people there, 30 people. Okay. So what they've started to do, which again, I reiterate, I think it's amazing. It's split into two parties, early okay. afternoon and evening party. And early afternoon is all the oldies and like some children. So oh. So get them out the way and done with. Like get all and do their traditional stuff because a lot of traditional stuff that needs to happen at Indian weddings that takes yeah. up time and just slows everything down. Like passing suits to people, and then yeah, evening, yeah, yeah. it's just kids. And even if we're allowed alcohol, and I was like, this Actually, is you know what? That is a game changer. That's a massive game changer. That's a great idea mm-hmm. because I think most families just want to be involved. You know, even if it's just like a part of the wedding, they're happy. So if I'm able to just invite someone for 
an hour in the evening in the afternoon and then they don't need to come to the reception in the evening ah that's you're on something man. I like that. yeah they've blown my mind I'm, I'm a big fan of it and i think it's going to be brilliant because mm-hmm. i've said like well when Susan mom and dad come back we'll tag in and go it's brilliant it works out amazingly mm-hmm. and I, I was talking to my mom about it and i was like mom i think i really messed up i, I really feel like maybe i should have made more of an effort to you know settle down before covid because this for me would be the ideal time to get married personally i don't have to invite anyone it won't cost me a cent i was like ah yeah. oh, this is amazing i should have done it i should have made more of an effort quiet wedding is the dream for me i don't want this big extravagant thing of like a thousand people you, you know what she said no, to no, me man. she's like maybe you should try online dating and i was like speaking oh. of can we have an update um well bumble talking to uh-huh. two girls one girl okay yeah, talking to girls on Bumble. It's going okay. You know, just making little jokes here and there about favorite films. You know, the casual chat before you get into the real deep stuff like, so, you know, what's your favorite color? <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, my answer would be, I don't see color. Oof. Oof. Yeah, I so <laughs> I, was, I was talking to my mom. Like, she's like, try online dating. I was like, oh, I don't think it's for me. Trying to off-play it, you know, as you do. I was like, I, just, I don't think I'll find the right person. And she, no, she turns to me and goes, but Jamie, sometimes you know you gotta kiss a few frogs first. Wow! And I was like, "Did someone just tell you to whore out?" Yeah, and I was like, "It's good to know she approves." Of, you know, that's all lifestyle. Future <laughs> reference. So, ladies, your mom approved. Dad, that's got to be the most like. I guess that's the that's the ethnic, ethnic way of saying. Yeah, go on, go on. You know, just a PG. Do what you gotta do. <laughs> you know? mm-hmm. Learn about yourself. But from the conversation that we've had, Jamie, I don't feel like you've kissed frogs, you know? You've, all right, let me say this without sounding like a freaking Disney princess. You, you have been in decent situations that just didn't pan out in the end, but they weren't frogs. Because I feel like a frog is, do you know who Young Philly is? Yes. So the whole Young Philly situation where everyone is trying to expose him because he was dating girls who weren't the best looking, let's just say. Um, they were frogs. <laughs> you know what I mean? There's some desperate guys out there who just go for whatever because, you know, they're just trying to gotta do what you gotta mess do. around, you know? You gotta do what you gotta do. I wouldn't say that about you, you know? But maybe you have. Maybe I just haven't seen it. From what you've told me and, you know, from the girls I've seen, I'm, I'm like, yeah, very good looking girls. So maybe do kiss some frogs. Maybe that's what you need. You need to... Moment of clarity, you say? You need to hit that rock bottom. <laughs> just so you can, you know... Crawl my way out of it. Focus in. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You crawl out and then that's when, like, I'm focused. I'm, I need to find the right person yeah no that's what i need to do also like i think you're like an amazing person to be able to handle long distance the way you do because i i just know i'm not built for that i've set my radius to like 20 miles now because (laughs) thinking bloody hell if i gotta travel 50 miles to see someone that's 100 miles both ways that's a lot of petrol in my car jamie we're talking four four figures in terms of miles for me right now this is exactly i I don't know how you do i think i think if you survive long distance i think you're meant to be if I'm being honest, I think along uh, this is one of the hardest things in the world. I'll tell you this much. I definitely wasn't looking for a long-distance relationship. Because obviously, prior to my current girlfriend, the, my ex-girlfriend was long-distance as well. So there was a couple of, you know, people in between. But they were, you know, nothing serious, really. But when when I, I remember when I first met her, uh, like my current girlfriend, I remember thinking, oh, she's great. Like, she looks great. That's just, I hadn't spoken to her yet. I'd just seen her. I was making my way over to her. And I remember the second she opened time that Jamie. A part of me was just about to be like, nope, <laughs> I'm out, I'm gone. Because the American accent, I heard that and I was like, there's a possibility that she might just be on holiday. I'm not going to catch feels. 
And the next, next second you know, I'm in a long-distance relationship. But guess what happened, Jamie? The exact thing happened. She was on a holiday. She was here for a while, but then she was gone. And now I'm in a long-distance relationship again. So, yay. Yay me. You're saying I, um, I'm a great person for, for being in it, but guess what, Jamie? We're both losing our minds. We're both losing our minds right now. So, yeah. We've set ourselves a target, though, by September. Well, for me, anyway, I, I'm being saying September. September for me is like the D-Day. I need to be in America for then. Like, no, not holiday, moved. <laughs> Relocation. This year, because September? This year, September. No. Yeah, I feel like that's what I didn't do with my my ex. I guess, you know, there's different differences between the two of us. And they played a major factor behind why I didn't take that step. But there is an element of that previous relationship that's kind of pushing me now to kind of say, all right, I need to take that step. I need to take that leap because if I don't, it might end up like this with um, my ex, you know? So, yeah, I'm just going to take the leap. Whatever happens, happens. I've been saying to her, look, I'm going to take a sabbatical. <laughs> I'm going to stop working. Not even a sabbatical, I'm just going to quit. Um, and live off savings for like six months, seven months, and then try and figure out something over there while I'm over there. But her, uh, she's she's against that completely because I guess you just always do want us to struggle. It should be we should be enjoying our first you know year together in in the US or whatever. But I just want to get over there. Yeah, you're saying pretty much a nuclear option. Like, yeah, I need to be there, sort of thing. Yeah. Have you looked into yes, like maybe getting yeah. a work permit or? Yeah. So some good news. I spoke to the head of our department globally and you know just kind of we were just having a little catch up talking about life uh and he asked me he was just like oh so what are you what are you looking forward to uh this year i kind of just said to him look i'm looking forward to travel again you know uh, as you as you probably know i'm in a long distance relationship and my partner's over in the u.s so uh, i need to go see her at some stage he's like oh that's interesting like where is she based I'm like oh she's just landed a great job in santa monica so you know that's where i'm going to be going to see her oh interesting we have an office in santa monica so you could potentially go and work out there for a while now it's just like that's all i need to hear <laughs> so i'm not i'm not gonna like push it push it at the moment because obviously we're still in the pandemic but he he did say that post pandemic we, we can definitely start for oh, sooner rather than later though as long as i can fly over there and there's no issues with the borders or visas etc then yeah i don't need to worry that's good then there's we'll a the nuclear option you can just you know keep Pest, not pestering, pestering that word, like keep saying, hey, I was wondering what is needed on what do I need to do to help myself get there? How can I help you help me? I mean, my finger's still on the nuclear button. I live a dangerous life, you know, I'm just, I'm here. If 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 she goes uh, left, then I'm pressing it for sure. But yeah, I'm definitely going to, yeah, like work on that option until it's kind of exhausted. But that's where we are. My company just opened a office in Texas and I was like, so uh, what do I need to go there? What, what do you need me to know? Because I will learn it in a heartbeat. Do you have an office in California? Not California. <sighs> I don't care because we have an office in, in Texas as well. I will spend some time over there and we can just hang out. What? Yeah. In the Come heat. On. Love it. Why not? Exactly. So we have like a night. We, uh, when, you know when they had the blizzards over there and everything froze up? <laughs> yeah. I had to call IT so and yeah. I got through to the Texas office. And he's like, yeah, I can't actually help you because our computers are frozen. I was like, uh, <laughs> No, no, literally, the servers are frozen. <laughs> okay, that's funny. No, there's ice on them. I'm like, oh, then why did you answer the phone? <laughs> why did you pass Right. <laughs> it was like, we have what to. Clocking in. Yeah. It's like, we have yeah. to. We have to look busy. I was like, well, I, I guess I'll call back and hope I don't get you again. No offense. No, nah, there were some horror stories from uh, like my colleagues in Austin. I remember there was one guy who uh, I had a few meetings with him and he just didn't show. He just kept on like cancelling meetings or like just not showing up at all. His entire house was fine. One pipe uh, exploded 
right above his work laptop. <laughs> that was the only thing that was affected. Literally, his entire laptop was frozen, which to me, I think was a bit suspicious. His entire house is fine, but the only thing that gets affected is your laptop, your work laptop. Maybe just your personal laptop, your work laptop. Yeah, with a drill. Suspicious. suspicious. <laughs> he's, yeah. what, he's turned yeah. the water off, drilled the hole, yeah. put it back on. Oh no, what he's, do I do? Better just leave it. He saw an opportunity. Modern problems yeah, require modern solutions. Yeah. yeah. So actually, uh, you know what? Again, I've just, I've finished Harry Potter now. I've finished listening to all the books. Okay. And I got into a conversation with someone about it. And I need to ask you, as a mature adult, what, 26, 27? How old are you now, Mo? Um, I'm about to turn 27. But anyway. okay, okay. Um, did Ron gaslight Hermione? Oh, okay. What is gaslighting? Um, we might have to cut this bit because after I explain what I think gaslighting is, I'm going to Google it. And if it's wrong, that's gone. Okay, <laughs> then we'll say, they, they, they say the right one. Okay. Yeah. Okay. While you while I do that, I'm going to Google it right now. Because, okay. No, actually, before I do that, let me give you my impression. This is why I always thought gaslighting. So, gaslighting, in my opinion, is essentially, like, think about it. You're adding fuel to the fire, right? So, there's a fire. You're gaslighting. You're adding fuel. So, essentially, someone's annoyed at something. Say you're annoyed at not being able to go outside for the pandemic. Nah, that's, that's, it's, it has to be something to do with me. Okay, so I've cancelled a few of our recordings so far, right? That's annoying to you, right? And you're annoyed. But then if I turn around to you and I'm like, um, yeah, well, you did this and you did that. I, no, I don't know. I guess I don't know what that's like. <laughs> <laughs> See, I thought oh, I'm you know, aggravating I'm someone. <laughs> oh my God, I was completely wrong. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's, not, it's not even aggravating. Do you know what it is? Well, you're planting seeds of doubt. That's what gaslighting is. So, yeah, so, okay, here's a great example. Um, you just said that you've been going back to the gym, right? Yeah. And you're having a great time. And I imagine if I start going, oh, but Jamie, you don't look great. Do you know what I mean? Like, mm. that's gaslighting. Because now you start to doubt yourself. It's like a psychological manipulation. Like, oh, no, actually, that's direct. But it's not, you don't look great. Okay, what if I said, I don't know, Jamie. Shame you don't look at your face, that one. No, your body's looking right, shame about your face. No, but I think it's supposed to be like, it's not supposed to be direct like a direct insult like passive aggressive sort of thing yeah yeah like a little slight comment side slide side comment that is like a slight dig you know what well, i'm embarrassed we should really not gaslight <laughs> so uh gaslighting is manipulating someone by psychologically oh i can't even read jim i can't even read right now i'm fasting that's my excuse i don't know what your excuse is <laughs> I'm, I'm fasting manipulate someone by psychological means into questioning their own sanity Right. So I guess is it like when a guy keeps, uh, you know how guys always say to girls like, oh, you're crazy, you're crazy, you're psycho. Well, that's gaslighting then, right? I guess so. Like in a way, kind of negging them as well. Yeah. But, I had no uh, idea. I thought gaslighting was like, you're just adding fuel to the fire. So someone's annoyed and you just keep on, you know, little, little, mm-hmm. little comments here and there just to annoy them even more. I didn't know. I didn't even know. It makes no sense, no sense now. And as I was saying, I was having a conversation with someone about Harry Potter. I said, oh, Ron's a great character in it. Like, obviously, in the first couple of ep- books, he's a dickhead, but he grows into his own in the last one. And he's like, Ron's, Ron's a bad person. He's like chauvinistic dickhead. Mm-hmm. I was like, whoa, whoa, relax. He goes, he forced Hermione to get married. He gaslighted her and he tricked her into getting with her by being mean. I was like, what? And he goes, read, read like the, the Cursed Child book. They're in an unhappy marriage. I'm like, whoa, whoa, whoa. First things first, who hurt you? Are you okay? Because no, we're wait, reading a different book. What? Yeah. 
I, I didn't what, know. Wait, whoa, whoa. No, the only thing I could, that I got out of that whole thing was there's, there's a follow-up to Harry Potter. I didn't know this. Cursed Child, yeah, it was a, a Broadway production or a West End production. I thought that was about, like, Harry Potter. I didn't know that was a sequel. It's about his, it follows on the end of the last book. So it's about his kids that go to Hogwarts. What? Yeah. Nah, I'm too much of a nerd when it comes to Harry Potter, you know, like, I get too emotional. Like, I'm, I'm very excited now. I, I didn't know that Cursed Child was about that. All right. So it's uh, so, but yeah, but but so back to your point though. Uh, so you're saying Ron and Hermione, Ron was gaslighting Hermione. That's what I've been told. I was like, I, I can't agree with that. I think that is incorrect. That was just I a lot of sexual tactic. Yeah. yeah, that's what I thought. He's he's a kid. Kids, exactly. They don't know how to express themselves. So that's like he's 17 years old yeah. enough to know. I was like, no. When I was a 17 year old kid, I was a dumbass. Yeah. Let me I will back. say this though. I will say this. They were better off having not met Harry. <laughs> Oh, 100%. I wish they didn't meet. Yeah. They would have had a great life. Yeah. They would have finished school. They would have finished finished school. Exactly. And then, what did they end up being? Uh, Ron became an aura and she became, I don't know, something for animal, like something rights, like other wizarding rights or whatever. I don't don't know. Oh, okay. Successful then. All right. She should have been the Minister of Magic in my mind. I was like, "Ah, that's her job. She's too good not to be. Maybe she will, though, at some stage, because like, that's like a senior senior. Like, imagine that you wouldn't say that, oh, she should have been prime minister. You know what I mean? Because, mm-hmm. like, that's... She, yeah. She's off as an MP. Make her way to PM. You know what I mean? Yeah. I feel like that... I feel like Harry Potter's like, had a uh, stranglehold on our, our generation. We just can't let it go. I can't let it go. Harry yeah. Potter was a prick. Exactly. He was a prick at the end of it. I mean, look, he, he did... He was so mean to Cho. That's why I took away from, like, one of them. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it was like racist on the tongue, didn't I? Yeah. <laughs> that, in that story. And when they were like, oh, you've got the fittest girls to go on a date with you. You know, the Indians, Padma and oh yeah, 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 yeah. something Patel. And they're like, wait, they're the most good looking girls. It's like, oh, what? Because they're ethnic? Because they're Indian? They're not good looking? Is that what he said? I was like, they're, they're, no, they're, they're meant to be I, I was like, hmm, wait, wait a minute. So you go for the redhead. That's what you do. Okay, okay, cool. I see you, Harry. Mm, he's trying to get, yo. Mm-mm. He is, see, okay. I don't know if this is gaslighting. No, it's not gaslighting at all. I feel like Harry is the type of person who uses his trauma uh, as a means to get out of shit, you know? Like, mm-hmm. it's an excuse for everything. Like, he's a prick, but, oh, guys, come on. Like, his parents died when he was young. Yeah. He's a complete prick. Oh, but guys, come on. Like, Voldemort's after. That doesn't... I, you can still be a nice person. <laughs> you can still be a good friend. Like, that doesn't excuse you at all. Like, come on. Like, he goes for Snape and it's like, why are you going for Snape, bro? Like, obviously what happened, but dude, he was part of the Order of the Phoenix. Relax. Not just that. All right. Okay, let's let's put it into our perspective. So in our friendship group, right, if if I wasn't in this friendship group, right, and you lot bullied me, yeah, and then one day we're in a battle, and you and Raj are in this battle, and then Raj gets killed, right? I wouldn't care. <laughs> if, I, if, if you lot bullied me, I wouldn't try and stop it. If he just accidentally got killed, I'd be like, all right, whatever. That's a bully. I don't care. So I don't I don't know why he was upset with Snape. But at the end of the day, uh, Sirius Black was like a bully. He bullied him. I wouldn't give a damn. I'd be like, calm. Yeah, but hey, hey calm is a bitch. Here's what it is. Yeah. Exactly. Here's what it is. Hey, he was told not to come, but he came. It's on him. <laughs> why is he standing right next to him? He was standing right next to this weird doorway. Some idiot does that. Yeah, there's a lot of stupid things like that in there, bro. Like, some people just got killed. Like, that Avada Kedavra thing. Listen, just step out of the way. I've always felt that. 
if you see a green bot coming your way, step out the way. It's not yeah. like he's seeking missile. Just get out the way. Harry but... Potter pickup line from the Avada Kedavra. It's like, hey, have you survived the Avada Kedavra? Because you drop dead gorgeous. Damn. <laughs> yeah. Damn. Yeah. yeah. Just, just, ladies, I'm single. Same. Hit me up on Instagram. There is one hill I'll die on when it comes to Harry Potter. And I, it, there's a tinge of misogyny in there, but I don't mean to be misogynistic, right? I think the, the, the reason this has so much like following or this conspiracy theory has such a following is because people don't really like RK, uh, RK JK Rowling. Um, and also because I think a lot of men hate the fact that she's so successful as a writer and it's like supposed to be this male-dominated industry, right? So good on her for that. Like, I'm, I'm very glad that she's broken down those barriers. But there's some fact in that conspiracy theory that she didn't write those books. I'm just putting it out there. All right, now we need to talk about this. We need to do more conspiracy theories. Talk to me about this conspiracy theory. Jamie, me, right? Me, you know me. Have I ever shown you any of my writing? Have I ever told you that I can write? No, right? But if I did, and if you knew, okay, most got some talent in writing, right? And I made a masterpiece. And people started saying, oh, no, nah, like, there's no way you wrote those. You could turn around to them and be like, nah, I've seen his writing before. So he can write. I've always known that he can write. And, you know, the evidence shows that he probably wrote these books, even though I was probably out there secluded, writing the books by myself, right? Now, J.K. Rowling, I have never heard anyone step out and say, oh, yeah, yeah, she could write. I remember her from back in the day. Yeah, she used to write everything, all kinds of stories. Nope. She just went to a, she went to a um, cabin somewhere and came out with four books. <laughs> Jamie, <laughs> Jamie, come on. I'm sorry. If I'm in a cabin for a year, I'm not cranking out four books. Four? Have you seen how thick those books are as well? That's some stories right there, boy. All right. Back stories with, with history. It takes longer than a year to sit there and just draft four books. Ah, huh, come on. She found that shit. I will saying. come up with some rebuttals to that but i just want to say one other thing she was from like a council estate wasn't she so from like on benefits that's that's her that was a, her story that's that was what everyone's like admired her like say yeah she came from nothing she was on benefits and struggling and then she wrote these books was it that she was in a council estate or she moved into some dodgy cabin because she had to relocate because she... i don't know but i know that she wasn't from a, a well-off background yeah yeah not sure for and then uh, when I was listening to the book, she's coming out with like these words and these names like Theodosia. I'm like, well, what, where are you hearing these names? I'm pretty you sure you're not hearing that in the block. Yeah, man. You're not hearing that down the cul-de-sac. You're getting a Stacy. There's no Stacy in there. Where'd you get Hermione from? I'm just saying, you hear me, right? I there's hear some, you. There's some suspicions. But let's you're say very suspicious. it could have been like years and years it took the road. Maybe not in the cabins, but she might have had ideas. And then she just kept on adapting. Yeah, she may have had help from like, when she gave it to a publisher, editors, publishers, yeah. editors, they give you little bits and bobs as well. Like, oh, actually, no, I do this, do that. Because, again, mm-hmm. from her, I don't know her background, but I don't think it was highly educated. The editors probably said, oh, put yeah, this no. word in there instead. Because I don't know why she's talking about photosynthesis in the book at one point. How she knows certain things. I mean, it's a, it's a sticky one because I'm sure, I'm sure this has caused so much traction purely because she's a woman. And she's, you know, one of the most notable writers in the 21st century. And there's a lot of men out there who are feeling a little bit, you know, most likely writers as well, who feel a little bit 
devastated <laughs> that it's her and not them. Just a smidgen devastating. So I'm pretty sure that, yeah, that's probably why it's, so, it's such a big conspiracy. But I'm just, ah, I, I can't shake it. I can't shake the fact that had she wrote the Philosopher's Stone, right? If she had she come out of that cabin with the Philosopher's Stone, I'd be like, oh, all right, you know what? It's a, it's the beginning of a story, well written. There's no suspicion there. But Jamie, the fact that she came out four, four manuscripts that had, okay, yes, like you said, they were probably edited by a, a publishing house or like the editors for that publishing house. But they were, I would say, you know, they probably were fairly well drafted at the time that they submitted them, right? Mm-hmm. Because they've got to be kind of nearly there. Exactly. And I'm talking about four. By the Order of the Phoenix, Jamie, our story was set, you know? Yeah, that is correct. correct. That's a lot of, that's a lot of pages in a year. One year. I could, again, maybe she could. Maybe she could. But I'm just going off statistics. So you, I, I don't what you're saying is she had a writing partner who never left that cabin in the woods. No, I'm saying she didn't have a writing partner. I'm saying she found them in the cabin. It's an old cabin, so probably some writer from oh, back back. Oh, found the day, them. And then... Left them there. And then she was rifling through the notes and she was like, oh, gold. Let me take this. And then, and then obviously, more. after, yeah, after, after Order of the Phoenix, yeah, and you're a multi millionaire, like, you, I mean, Drake's got a shadow writer, <laughs> like a ghostwriter. You could get, you could get someone to help you out with those next. What is it? Three books, easy. Or four books, whatever. Yeah, I'm you just, could. Just... You could pay them to be stay quiet, and if they don't, like you just sue them. Ah, what? You could, but I don't know. I think, I think, like she probably was because she came from a rough upbringing, so she probably dreamt of a like a world, a magical world outside. But I don't know why she dreamt of being a young boy and not a young girl. She's Harry. Okay. Yeah. No, potentially. Like I said, it's all it's all a potential. But I'm just saying from a probability perspective, the, the chances of someone having written four bestsellers in a year. For me, it's just a time frame. But she was there for a year, Jim. God, I mean, I mean, like no one else wants to stand out and be like, listen, guys, I knew JK from back in the day. She, she was a bad boy writer. No one said that ever. I just want to know where she came out with these names, like bloody Percy. Severus. These are old names, so you might have a point there. I just think like she may have a help coming up with names like Severus might have been called Stephen, Stephen Snake. It sounds like Snake. It's like ah, yeah, that's a bit shit in it. I do find it odd though that I think the Harry Potter books are the most, some of the most sold books in the world. I think the most sold book in the world is I think Don Quixote is first and then Bible second. For some reason, Don Quixote is like up there. I don't ask why. You know, what? I'm gonna Google it quick. What is Don Quixote? Is that guy the Lothario guy that went around sleeping with everyone? Or Don, no, Don Juan? Like a, Don Quixote is a book about um, there's a guy with uh, what's it called? Donkey and it's during the Spanish Alpaca or something like that and we had to go through the book uh, when I was younger. No, I went to a shit school. We never did shit like that. We just did the anthology, Jurassic Park, which is sick, and of Mice and Men. Well, this is, this is telling me <clears throat> this is telling me otherwise now, but I remember Don Quixote was number one, but now this is telling me that Harry Potter and the Philosopher's Stone. Damn. But I can't even find Don Quixote now. What? what? Oh, they forgot about Donnie. Man, 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 like Donnie, you know. Pull him over like that. Oh, okay. Right, 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 right. So Don Quixote was a, a series of books. So they haven't counted it in the list. But then where's the Bible, though? Now, I don't trust this site, Wikipedia. 
Is it BuzzFeed? <laughs> it, this is, uh, see? No, see? Okay. So this site is telling me Don Quixote had 500 million copies sold, right? And then the Tale of Two Cities is next up with 200 million. Third is The Lord of the Rings, 150. The Little Princess, 142. And then Harry Potter and the Sorcerer's well, Philosopher's Stone, which is the American site, 107. So maybe I think if you, if you discount the series, if you just look at it as individual books, Harry Potter's up there as like number one. But then if you count all the series together, then Don Quixote will be in the one. But I, I like this conspiracy theory thing. Like, here's another one. Have you heard that apparently the moon landing was faked and they got, what's his name, to, to film it? Uh, Stanley Kubrick filmed it because he filmed it around really? the same time of a 2001 a Space Odyssey. Space Odyssey? Ooh. And it's like, ooh, it seems a bit much. And it's like, why is the flag waving? Well, if you look at the historical context, I do get it. Russia was like about to land on the moon. The US was like, mm -mm, relax, slow down. We have to be number one. So they had to, yeah, I, I can see it. I can see it. Like, why not? I believe, I think they did it. I think it was real. It wasn't staged. There was some like backstories about Kubrick that they did try and like that was covered up as well. But I, th I think it happened. I want to believe they actually landed on the moon. And they did. Well, see, I think they did. I think they have now. Like they probably landed on it a bunch of times now. But I think because it was it was the race to get to the moon i think the first like the neil armstrong's footage was fake because i think they wanted to they wanted the world to know that they were the first but they weren't really i get what you mean because how how did they get that video back here because they recorded it and they live streamed it to like everyone back on earth didn't they satellite i think no nah, i think they saw they could have done it but they just wanted to make sure that they were first after that thousands of people went but us being the us it's the same with the, do you know what's going on in the North Pole? There's no. a, a race between, there's a, a claim for the North Pole that's being made between the Russians and the Americans. So <laughs> I think it started off with Russia went with a submarine, uh, essentially just like found the ground, like the actual, um, beneath all the ice, they went all the way, found the actual crust, like ground of the North Pole and planted a, planted a flag. They're like, we were here first. <laughs> Since I was a baby, uh, and then the US turned around, they were like, no, you can't do that. Why? Because we didn't do it first, basically. So now there's like a, de a debate, a heated debate between the two, like who claims, who gets to claim the North Pole. It's just the US being the US, man, you know? Mm -hmm. Like, they got to be first, they got to be the fastest, the best, or whatever. Well, um, see, what I've heard about the North Pole is like it, it was originally owned by Russia. It was Russian and Soviet territory, and they just sold it to America because... You know, they needed money for something because they thought it was just wasteland. And then America started drilling and found a shitload of oil and Russia were like, no, 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 it's ours. Shut up. Don't. Oh, that's it. Yeah, 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 yeah. No, but you no, sold it. No, it takes these backsies. That's what I've heard. If that's true, I love that story. It's like breaking up with a girl, seeing that she's with someone else. That's, you know, and you're like, I want her back. I didn't mean to break up with you. It was an accident. It was like I read the, my star sign wrong. All right, I'm a Capricorn, <laughs> not a Sagittarius. Make <laughs> a big mistake. No, I'm right. I'm reading National Geographic here, Jamie. Oh, honestly, these countries are so next level. Russia planted a titanium flag on the seabed in 2007 to claim it. They're like, ah, we point the best out here, titanium. Say something. And then the US is like, nope. And it's like you said, probably because of oil. It's always mm -hmm. oil. A they weren't fucking about they got a titanium they weren't yeah I've got a fun fact for you I found out recently did you know so whenever you look up at the moon right it looks close it's not close obviously we know that it's not close but did you know just how far away it is you can put 
this is such a mad stat. You could put every planet in our solar system between us and the moon. I saw that picture. They would fit perfectly. Yeah, I saw, I saw <laughs> that I picture. That's mad, right? And it still has that amount of pull on us. We are nothing. What? You know what? When you think about it, we are just like grains in the desert, honestly, like sand grains in the desert. Nothing. Jesus, Jesus. Christ. It's that far. Jupiter's yeah. massive as well. It's got a bloody ring. Yeah, 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 yeah. No, I think they didn't add, they didn't count Saturn's ring. They just counted like the actual planet itself. And oh, they left out Pluto because no one cares about Pluto. That doesn't count. It's a dwarf planet now, isn't it? It's just a little dwarf in it. <laughs> so small. No, no, no one ever noticed it. Question though. All right. They call it a dwarf planet. Is it bigger than the moon? I think it is bigger than the moon, yeah. The name of a dwarf? Put some respect on its name. I think, I think there's like a classification in size. Like, oh, if it's over X amount, like if we could fit like at least three countries on it, three... I don't know, the size of Russia, it counts. It just started shrinking, didn't it, apparently? Bro. Pluto is one sick the width of, uh, of Earth. One sick. That's tiny. That ain't impressing anyone, that is. But you're right, we are. We are minuscule, aren't we, when you think about it? Oh, we're nothing, Jamie. What we do in our life won't affect anything. Well, speaking of space and all of that, I found out, I mean, I get all of my facts and trivia from TikTok nowadays, uh, literally. Every, anything I cite, anything I say, I probably heard it on TikTok. Like, I literally spent too much time on that. I watched TikTok recently, which was actually, it was, it was quite heartwarming. I, I, I appreciate this. Especially for, like, I, I haven't lost, you know, I've lost a few people last year, but I think if you've lost someone, like, recently, this is quite nice. It's quite nice to hear. So this person was basically saying, you know, based on the way that light travels, everything that we see, the stars that we see, that's all, they're all events that are happening millions of years ago. But because light takes so long to reach us, we're seeing it happen now. And he was basically saying, if you if you flip that around, so if you are where that event is happening and you're looking down at Earth, you're seeing Earth millions of years ago. So dependent on where you are, with like distance-wise from Earth, you're seeing images come back on from Earth from the past. So that information or that light essentially is kind of like endless. It's, it never ends. You, the further back you go, the, the, the further back in time you go, essentially. So even if you've lost someone, the idea is if you look at them, if you look at Earth from a specific distance, you can still see them because they're still there. You can still see their day to day. You can still see your interactions with them. And I was like, that's romantic. Like, that's so cute. That's fucking bullshit, man. What the fuck? I didn't know what was going on. <laughs> <laughs> right. If we're looking at a star, we're seeing a romance. We're seeing two people do it. It's like, no, man, that's just a bloody rock. Uh, listen, listen, if you get a good telescope, you can see it. That's all I'm saying. You see aliens, fuck. Yeah. You just, oh. you ruined it. <laughs> you, look at you trying to be all romantic and show like, mate, that's bullshit. Nah, <laughs> listen, that's We're so not... romantic to me. Come on. Listen. You can see this, like, you're, you, you are seeing the reflection. You're not seeing, if a planet, if a, a sun explodes now, if you look up and a star explodes, that happened millions of years ago. That didn't happen now. Well, the information is just reaching us now. So if you keep going back, if you travel further away from the Earth and you look back at Earth, you're looking at you're doing time travel, my G. No, listen, you're about to go interstellar on me. The only thing that can travel through time and space is love. Come on. They had a point, Jamie. What? <laughs> Come on. Listen up, my Connor. Hey, that uh, was so stupid, interstellar. My love communicated with her. I haven't seen it, by the way. I love my... Uh, my... I do. I think That's one accent it. I'd love to be able to do. I can't, I can't do accents for shit. I can't do like just a normal English accent. All right, all right, all right. There you go. Yeah. That's, hey, okay, okay. Mine just sounds like I'm dying. It's like, ah. 
Speaking of the grudge, we had a friend at uni. Had he's still our friend? He's still a very good friend of ours. This guy was like a better looking version of Drake and twice the size of him. I like after watching the grudge, he was scared to wear a hoodie for a while. The grudge too, because she came out the hoodie. I didn't notice. <laughs> <laughs> and his reasoning was, don't get it. She came out the hoodie. I always wear hoodies. What if she comes out of my hoodie? Uh, have you been to a haunted house in Japan recently? But he was scared. Uh, my favorite, the, the friend that we're talking about is my like E, my like O, or King. My favorite L story has to be when we were in first year. I think we were in we were in Earl's room. It was in Priory somewhere with one of our uh, the accommodations that we stayed at. So we all went, made our way over to, to Earl's room. And I essentially was like, hey guys, have you ever seen Two Girls, One Cup? And none of you had. It was just me. I felt like a dirty guy at that point. I was like, you're from up oh, my north, so probably. Oh, yeah. That's what we do over here. Like, we just share disgusting videos with each other. So I was like, all right, guys, sit down, enjoy. So I played it. And to this day, I'll never forget. Earl bursts out laughing, stands up, makes his way out the door, and just starts projectile vomiting down the corridor. I could not, I honestly, I've never seen a better reaction to that video ever. I've seen people pass out and like be stupid, like vomit in front of themselves. But the fact that he laughed so loud, stood up, continued laughing and started vomiting as he was laughing. Never, yeah, nothing's ever going to stop that. I would love to know what the, how the vomit happened. Because obviously he was laughing because he found it was funny. And then did he just realize, hang on, that's not chocolate. <laughs> They're eating shit. They're eating each other's shit. No way. And then, then he realized, <laughs> you know, pictured it after watching it. Thought, I can't take this. Yeah. And let's not forget our good friend Alfie, who stayed to watch the whole thing. You know what? I wasn't going to mention his name. I wasn't going to mention his name. But my guy stayed. We came back into the room. He was still watching it and he had a smile on his face. Yeah. That's what I'm going to say on that. Sorry. He's a friend we used to know. We haven't spoke to him in a while. I was getting a nice little message from him, though, in like Ramadan. I haven't spoken to him in a couple of years, but he's around. He's around. He had the thickest Asian accent. Yeah, and we'd be like, Alfie, come on, man! Like, it's it's calm. Like, we're not judging you for having an accent. You don't have accents. I have an accent. Everyone has an accent. You have an Asian accent, and he was like, No, I don't. Uh, we were like, Bro, you do. <laughs> like, just he was like, I'm from. Uh, we, this is what killed me. I was like, Where are you from? He's like, Bradford. I was like, Come on, you just say it, Asian man. Like <laughs> he rolls that <laughs> off. You roll it. And I thought he's fresh. He was like, No, I was born here. Yeah. I was like, Whereabouts? He's like, Yeah, I've been Bradford, <laughs> Bedford, somewhere else. I'm like. Nah, you're lying. You're just making up names with bees here. No I do feel bad for making him and I'm in fight a bit. I just for our entertainment. <laughs> and then every so often, you'd stand up, Mo, pull the thumb up, down. Down. <laughs> <laughs> but they used to fully swing, though. Like, aim for the face, knockout punches, you know? That was... Yeah, that, that was weird. Chest shots. Okay, that's a great example. Going back to Harry Potter. If if they if they like okay if me and you were in the middle of a like a, a, a fight with some people right and one of us dies I would expect Amin and Alfie to be like you know what come up and they get what they deserve <laughs> uh, they used to make us fight they just lost their lives exactly Amin loves us he's, Amin a, loves a, he's yeah, a good guy now he's, he is, a, he's a nice guy he's a sweetheart all the topical things have been happening Jamie What's well have you heard uh, have you heard what's happening in India no. That's been oh, sorry, shut. Uh, the coronavirus. Yeah, they got three new strains, yeah. and That's... they have shut that shit down. And I just find this ridiculous because uh, this—I I don't know—I I watched this. Their prime minister, this Modi guy, and I can't help but feel Trump is jealous of him because he's doing everything Trump did as well, but he's getting away with it. 
And Trump must be like, I ran in the wrong country. Trump would be a god in India. That's how dumb they are. Mm-hmm. So he, there's a holy festival called Holi. And so it's every like 12, 13 years, they bathe in the river. Mm-hmm. They like, the, And that was seen as super spreader event, obviously. And he only allowed people to do it because it's an election year. And he thought, I don't want to damage any, you know, you know. Yeah. So he allowed him to do it. And now they've got this super coronavirus situation where people are literally dying in the streets because they can't breathe. Where oxygen costs you $1,000 to have. And he's locked away in his ivory tower and be like, well, I really think he said what Boris Johnson has been accused of saying. Oh, let the bodies pile? Yeah, he's like, let the bodies hit the floor. I think he's, he thinks, yeah, you know, we've got a population problem. This all, this all sort it. I really, he doesn't care about his people. He just cares about the power he's getting. But let's say if he did what he's doing now currently, if someone did that in, say, England or America or Canada, a developed country, the, the UN would be on them. They'd be locked up. In fact, as soon as someone opposes him, he locks them up. There's no freedom of speech. He's gone to Facebook and Twitter, and they see anything related to he should resign or anything negative towards him, he says, you take it down and they've just gone okay yeah. yeah baby it's it's shocking though i mean it's it's when you look at the numbers the daily numbers of deaths thousands jamie thousands are dying that's so sad and people are getting mad that they can't come back when i know people that went there to india because this is some some people have this tradition where their first kids their, their first son's haircut has to be in india I swear down yeah. if you pay a fiver down there there's an indian that'll cut it for you this is what's pissing me off right now. I, this is why I genuinely believe if we had a world war, people wouldn't take it seriously. We're in the middle of a pandemic. Do you even understand what a pandemic means? It means that we are all being affected by something that's like life-ending. And people are still going by their ba- daily business and people are still complaining about things that they want to do and places they want to go see. Ah, like this is like essentially, this is equivalent to someone back in World War II times going, oh man, I really want to go to Germany right now. Like, I wish I could go to Germany. No! <laughs> you, no, like, you just have to wait. Things aren't, yeah. And these anti-vaxxing and anti-vaxxing, like, bloody parades in London. It's like, okay, you don't want a vaccine. Don't take it. It's simple. Don't take it. Don't mm-hmm. march not wearing a mask and say, oh, it's all a lie. Because saying that is disrespecting the millions and thousands, sorry, thousands of people that have died and are suffering from this. People that have financially suffered mental health has suffered people that probably will take a long time to recover from this it's disrespecting that just because people you can't i don't socialize. respect the people i just generally don't respect that i want to are saying it's a, it's a it's a conspiracy like the virus is a conspiracy you can tell me okay i will i will listen to you all day if you want to tell me that it was man-made or if there was some kind of like manipulation in place so sure I, all right like potentially maybe but don't tell me that people didn't die from it when we're seeing millions of people die I do think that there is some fear mongering in terms of the numbers of people, like say on the 30 who have died. You know, it's very, it's like insignificant, like honestly, the number of people on the 30 who have died from the coronavirus. But that doesn't mean people haven't died. People's grandparents, people's like uncles, aunts, like people are dying, parents. So it's just so disrespectful to see these um, people picketing with signs saying, oh, it's all a conspiracy, it's all a lie, there isn't a virus, the virus isn't here. And you're looking at India <laughs> and you're seeing people, like you said, drop, literally yeah. drop in, day, in broad daylight. And to them, it's, it's, still, it's still a lie. Yeah. Whatever. They want their way. Yeah. I know someone that had COVID and they're out there saying, yeah, it's a lie. So didn't you have COVID? I mean, 
people are just so pathetic. If you want to turn around to me and say, I don't, I want things to go back to normal because I'm selfish, just say it. Mm. Just say what you want to say. Like, that's honestly what you're saying by saying, oh, I don't believe in it. Because you do. Deep down, you do. You're not an idiot. You just want things to go back to normal. And we all do, but some of us are a bit more patient than others. You know, I'm more than happy to wait until it's safe for everyone too. And yes, will that affect my life? Yeah, of course it will. It's going to affect everyone's life. But I'm thinking more about the group community as opposed to my own needs. And that's what people just fail to do. They will never look at the community as a whole. They'll just see how does this impact me and how, how what would I, what do I want to see change like in the, in the near future? Not what should change in the near future. I don't know. I just lose, I lose faith in the human race day in, day out. Honestly, we're all just, we're screwed. Yeah. Like, have you ever read the book Inferno by Dan Brown? So one of the uh, Vinci Code ones, right? Yeah. So the film is shit, but the book is actually very good in it. He's like, well, after the Black Plague, the Renaissance happened was one of the most creative times in human history. And he's like, the world is getting overpopulated. We're suffocating the earth. It is dying because of what we're doing. And so this guy, the main villain, he creates a virus that he says is going to wipe out half the population as soon as it hits. Some people won't be affected. Some people will. And it's random. And so it's a race against time to try and stop it. In the end, it's not a virus. It's a, it is a virus that goes out, but it sterilizes half the population. Ah, okay. And it's not a long-lasting virus. The virus will, it will eventually, it will eventually die out. This virus, the human body will find a way to do it, but it will, it will take a couple of generations. But in that time, the population will decrease, and mm. the world will thrive. And that's his reasoning behind it. You know, you see, you know, this virus hit, and I think, oh, it's very similar to uh, mm. to that story. And then you see people parading, refusing to wear masks and refusing to take a vaccine. It's like, well, if they're the first to go, I wouldn't complain. How can you be so selfish? Yeah, I mean, that? Well, the, the reality is we all have well, some element of autonomy over our, over our decisions, over our body. So if a person chooses not to wear a mask, they're, t- they're weighing up the risks and they're deciding that, yeah, I, I see that there's a potential that I could get this illness, this you know, illness mm-hmm. that is fatal, but I'm willing to roll the dice and take, take the risk. I, I'm down for that. If you want to take the risk, take the risk. Here are the facts, take the risk. But I don't like when people are pressuring others to do the same thing. Mm-hmm. If you don't want to wear a mask, that's fine. Don't ask me not to wear a mask. <laughs> don't ask me to like open up, especially if I have a shop or something or like some kind of business. Don't ask me to open up. I'm not comfortable doing that. And that's the direction I feel like we're going in, where people conflate freedom of speech and freedom of choice with like the collectives, what the collective wants. If you want freedom of speech, or if you want freedom of choice, let it be pure. Let it let people literally decide. Here's the information. Make a choice. Decide on your own outcome. Yeah, but you know, people, most of their research is done while they're taking a shit, isn't it? They're like, oh, I'm bored. Let's, let's look on some TikToks <laughs> and some Instagram <laughs> yeah. posts. Are you watching a video of coronavirus where the background music is the baby? Yeah, <laughs> literally. Yeah. I think one of my, uh, one of the biggest issues I think we face right now, um, a lot of people are saying it's population. I don't think it's population. I think it's just management of resources. I mean, did you know, this is, this is another crazy fact. If all the human beings in the world collectively like stood in one country or like stood with social distancing so like six feet apart everyone is just in a grid do you know how how wide or how large the area would be if you had to guess uh, like name a country name a country that would amass that like the space of land how is it seven billion people in the world i think maybe a continent would probably take it i'd say yeah. a whole of europe maybe minus england just all of like, europe the whole of europe or the ones that can well, here's how Here's how insignificant we are. If every single human being stood six feet apart, right, in a grid, we'd make up the size of Bahrain 
Do you know how big Bahrain is? It's probably the size of London. That's how like insane this situation is. The entire world, there is so much resource in this world. There's so much greenery, so much produce, so much potential, but a few groups, but I, you know, I don't want to be talking about the Western world and the Eastern world. Like, Not naming any names. World or whatever. But the, let's just say the Western world wants it easy, right? We want what we want right now, right? The rest of the world is the worker bees that are the ones producing, that are the ones like trying to make it work and getting nothing in return. And we're essentially farming all of this just for these specific groups. And now we're saying there are too many people because the groups that we have, like the Western world is growing as well. So the people who in the past used to be able to like afford, um, who can afford a banana, for example, that's growing. So now we're asking for more bananas and we're saying, oh, there's a shortage in this, there's a shortage in that. There isn't a shortage, there's just mismanagement. You know, if those countries farmed themselves and were willing to pay the actual price of what a banana costs, then everyone would be able to eat. There'd be fairness. The countries that are producing the, the, the most of the produce now, let's just call it like the majority of Africa, for example, <laughs> to be honest with you, uh, they'd be able to enjoy some of the produce as well because the, the first world would be paying a fair price. They would be, it would be a price that they could match as well because they're being paid. They're being able to feed themselves while feeding the world. That's fair. But what, what, right now, the situation we're in, we're saying, oh, there's too many people in the world because people are, there's famines and people are going hungry. No, it's just because people are eating. The top 1% hoard the wealth. Yeah, and make the hoard the struggle. wealth and hoard the resource. And then you pay nothing for the rest. If there was some sort of management on that, it would probably better but like take the, the esl the england the european super league did you hear about that insane that. insane i don't know how they thought people would want that to play the same teams over and over again we get that in the premier league the idea of the champions oh. league is you earn your spot <laughs> no jamie this is where we're gonna clash okay so when i was saying insane i was saying insane because people were protesting and saying oh this is life-changing and i was like it's bs it's football it's not that big of a deal but to me i thought it was a great idea what Okay, no, explain Jamie, it was fabulous. No, explain this. Why do you think this is great? Because I care very little for like football as a, as like a business or whatever. I don't really give a damn. I just care for entertainment. Because that's, to me, that's what football is, right? I know that there are people, people's lives are involved. You know, there are businesses, there are like, you know, kids trying to um, potentially get to these clubs, whatever. I get that. And I'm, I support them. And that's why... If they were turning around and saying, let's just cancel the Premier League, we're just going to have these six clubs or four, four teams in the UK compete with the other teams in, uh, in Europe, I would be like, all right, fine. That's, that's not great because like, you're destroying the entire economy or entire like thousands and like thousands of jobs for like, people within the football industry or micro. Fine. But this isn't. This was just, they were just saying these clubs who have a huge following and who have a huge financial backing are going to play each other from my perspective. Why wouldn't I want to watch Real Madrid versus Manchester United more regularly or versus Barcelona, whoever? It was just pure entertainment to me. I was like, yeah, I'm here for that. And they're like, oh, it's going to stifle competition. No, it's not. Because then if you take out the main contenders in the Premier League, what that, what's that going to do? It's going to open up a space for the new big four, right? So that will continue. It's not going to end. Sure, there may be issues with like TV licenses, but right now ITV just bought the, the rights to the Premier League. So if ITV has that, Maybe um, Sky Sports has Super League. No one, can, I just don't, you know what? I didn't think it was that big of a deal. What I was annoyed at and the thing I had issue with was to the, the extent to which fans were protesting to the point where they were like on the streets protesting. But then you don't see those same protests for like real shit. Like if you ask them, 
to go protest uh, against what's happening in India. I'm not going to do that. Like, if you just ask them if they know what's going on in the rest of the world, they don't want to do that. So that's why my issue is people's priorities are just off, completely off in my perspective, my, like my opinion. That final point, I 100% agree with. People's priorities are fucked on that sort of situation. But yeah. the ESL, you're, I get where you're coming at. You're coming out as a casual viewer of football. And you're like, that's what 100%. you think. Why wouldn't you want the elite teams to play each other more often? You get good uh-huh. games. But... No, those games are usually shit because everyone plays super defensively. It's only very, it's like probably like a four out of 10 chance you're going to get a good game out of the big teams. And the, the idea of the Champions League is, oh, let me put it this way, you know Leicester a couple of years ago when they came from nothing to win the league, the, the ESL takes away that opportunity. You just, you wouldn't, they wouldn't get a chance to play in that league because they're not pre- one of the predetermined teams. Yeah, but you say, oh, no, but you, well, we're saying that the uh, Super League, right, in terms of hierarchy, because you know how we all kept got League One, League Two, Premier League, right? We're, we're not saying that the Super League is going to sit above them and there's no chance of like promotion. It's separate. It's like, um, what do they call them? Those games are just like for fun, not friendlies. Oh, Chaz is probably screaming at the screen right now. I can't remember. Anyway, the, the games are just played for fun, right? It's separate. It's a separate thing completely. You're taking, away, you're taking those teams away. And like I said, that opens up a space for another four teams to become the big four. So if you're a Leicester or a Burnley, you still want to, you, you still have the drive to make it to the top because you still want to become the top four. You still want to. No, no, that's, that's why you're wrong again because then that takes money out of the Champions League and that takes eyes off the Champions League because no one's going to watch it. So then they get less sponsors. So the teams will get less money for qualifying. That, that money they get can, is a difference between going under for half these teams in, that, in the Champions League. It means a lot. They can get eyes on the prize and it means a lot for the players as well because the players can get discovered from that. They can literally cut nothing and get discovered by a big team. But are we saying, are we saying that... And then, and, and then how, how do you determine a big team? Spurs are in there. Who the fuck are Spurs? What have they done recently? They've got an empty yeah, trophy no, cabinet. I, when, when I agree with you in terms of like the selection process is flawed. But the selection process is based on finance. It's literally based on money. It's based on nothing else. Like you said, they have no trophies to support the fact that they're in the, like contention for this league. But it's the fact that I think per fan, they spend the most in terms of like season tickets, t- uh, shirts bought, memorabilia, all of that. Like they buy everything, the fans players, fans, uh, Spurs fans. So that's really why they were selected. But are you saying that the Champions League would fail because the European Super League is a thing? Yes, the eyes are on it when say Barcelona plays someone. When when there's like Madrid versus City, everyone's watching that. Everyone's talking about it. It's the most tweeted about thing. It's the most trending thing on Twitter and Instagram. Well, think we just to, okay. to watch Leicester versus bloody Johannesburg. I know. But question: the, uh, Arsenal holds the Emirates Cup, right? I remember the what I was going to say. It's exhibition match. So Arsenal holds the Emirates Cup in the summer, right? It's just a isolated thing it's just a few games with like top teams right that doesn't impact anything else does it yes no. i get the play it's off season you know no one's really taking it that seriously there's no not that much money it's not really as televised as everything else but whereas the european super league would obviously be um well funded huge tv deals it would take away i'm not going to say it's not going to take away from the champions league and the premier league it will there will be an impact but I'm saying that it's more on the TV deals, right? That like I still think there's enough money, there's enough of an incentive for these teams to still try and win the prank, still try and win the Champions League or make make it to the Champions League because they will still get paid, they will still get you know recognized. China, okay, look at China for example. China's league came out of nowhere, right? They came out of nowhere. They decided we're going to make a, a a new league. We're going to fun funnel 
ridiculous amounts of money into this league and try and buy the best players. Granted, the best players didn't go in the end. Like, a lot of people did go, but the best players just stayed. I don't think people, like a diehard Burnley fan, if, like, the top top players went to China, the, a diehard Burnley fan's not going to be like, oh, well, that's the end of the league for me then. I'm, I'm not going to watch this anymore. I'm, I'd rather follow the Chinese league. I'm not going to watch the Premier League. They're still going to watch it. These are, die, like you said, these are diehard fans. I just think that we're going to get to the stage where people, well, businesses don't care about us. Businesses will do what they want to do at some stage, right? Yes, that's why they're saying, oh, there should be more regulations around this. But businesses just do what they want to do because it's all about that bottom line at the end of the day. It was hit by COVID, so they decided to try, like, try and find a way to make more money. If they decide to do something like a Super Cup, Super League, I, I don't know. There's just going to be variations in the end. So I think we're going down that route. So that's why I was embracing it. I was like, yes, go for it. Let's do it. I, you're saying you don't want to watch it. I do. Bro, like the, the freaking Barca Real every now and like more often than twice a year. Yeah, of course I would want to watch that. Nah, it's, it's that you take away the, the right of earning your way into a spot. It's like saying you were doing a home renovation, you did it all yourself yeah. versus you paying someone to do it. If you did it yourself, you'd feel more like happy. I think you'd feel happy like, yeah, I did this. Like I learned how to like paint a wall or like make a TV cabinet or whatever instead of paying someone. Mm-hmm. Otherwise it's like, yeah, I just got given it. But if you do it yourself, put your own graft into it. You feel like more you've, you've earned it more and that you, you take care of it more. You, you're more happy with it. You take a sense of pride in it. And but by you, giving these, these teams like this spot in the ultimate Super League, it takes away what's, what's football without competition. It takes away the, the competition, the Premier League. Why would they even want to bother in the Premier League? Yeah, we win the Premier League to get to the Champions League. We, we fight to get this top four position so we can get into the Champions League. It helps us with things. If like a team like Spurs or get, end up into this league where they're getting 300 million a season guaranteed, yeah, yeah. Like, yeah, we can still, we're still fighting the Champions League because they're getting 300 million. They can invest, it, it kind of isolates the other teams a lot more because no matter what, those six teams in the UK, England, yeah. would always be the top six. It wouldn't give a team like Leicester, a Wolves, a Leeds, uh, a West Ham even a chance to fight their way up because they couldn't financially compete with the, the other teams where they can buy all the players. Now, you, you say this, but they're not going to compete because they're isolated. United is no longer in contention. Arsenal's no longer in contention. They will be given amounts of money for them to be able to go and buy the top players. That's in isolation. The European Super League, they're not going to be part of the Champions League. They're not going to be part of the Premier League. They wouldn't be part of the Champions League. They'd still be in the Premier League. So you'd have the Premier League, and instead of them playing Champions League game midweek, it'd be the ESL League. The Champions League would still go on. Oh, in that case, I, I was completely... I'm completely wrong. I, I thought you're literally taking these four teams from the Premier League isolation like they're no longer going to be able because that's what they said right they said that if they wanted to do the esl these teams can no longer be part of the premier league champions league etc no no no. they said you can't be part of the champions league and all the players that play in it won't be eligible for world cup in euros oh okay okay i get what you mean now well okay uh, in that sense in that case then if you're still going to be a part of the premier league then yeah i can i can appreciate how if you're funneling a bunch of money it just makes it impossible for the rest of the, the league but then, okay, let's just look at two leagues, the Scottish League and the freaking German League. Who, like, when was the last time uh, Bayern lost the, the German League? Years and years ago. When was the last time a team other than Celtics or Rangers uh, won the Scottish League? I don't think in a very, very long time. So it's been, it's been Celtic for a while because there was financial issues with, like, Rangers. But... It, this happens. Finance, like, teams are strong. They have a strong financial backing are more likely to win the leagues because they have more money 
your, if you turn around to me, it's okay, the financial fair play thing, right? I respected that because that kind of created a bit more parity between the teams. I don't think it's as strong now because you still get teams who are able to buy ridiculous players, right? Yeah, like, when PSG can drop 200 on Neymar. Uh, exactly. Like Leeds aren't going to be able to buy freaking name, uh, Messi, are they? They're not. Yeah. It's impossible for them. It's unattainable. But they're still in the same league. So if you're funneling more money to these, like these four players, you know, I'm back on my original. I do support it now again because <laughs> <laughs> I'm flip-flapping. I do support it again because I think if you're going to allow them, if you're going to allow them to get more money through the ESL, it's a separate thing. Let's call it, stop calling the ESL, let's call it exhibition games, right? They're playing exhibition games every now and then. They're getting more money for that. Are they going to be more competitive? Well, if you apply strict uh, financial fair play rules around the Premier League, then it shouldn't be an issue, right? The the, the financial fair pet is, is questionable still because there's ways to go around it. They can say, yeah, we spent 200 million, but look, if you look at our book, we cleared X amount, so we're still in the black that wise. There's, there's loopholes around it. And again, again, them getting 300 million breaks financial fair play because they're like, yeah, but we got 300 million for being in this league, so therefore we can spend 300 million on the play. And it gives, so they can sign all the players and it doesn't give other clubs a chance to like get these. They can sign the best young kids in the world and whack them all on their youth teams. This is where I think America has it right. They have a draft. So the players are drafted to the teams. You don't come through the youth system. Yeah. You get trained in a youth system. You play like like college and like junior leagues. And then you get drafted to a team. It can be any team. Not, it might well, not be the best but, team. But that's because the players in the NBA are owned by the NBA. They're not owned by, the, by their teams. So um, let's take LeBron James, for example. LeBron James isn't owned by the Lakers. He is a, he is a player of the NBA. Who is playing for the Lakers? Who is who are owned by? Uh, I can't remember the name of that family. That could never happen in the UK because no, the teams own the players, and they're just a part of the Premier League, part of the, the FIFA or like the FA or whatever. I I just think that the issue here is about finances, right? Because if you really, if you want to break it down and say, okay, to stop something like this happening, get rid of billionaire owners, or tell them tell people that if you're going to have an ownership structure. Only X amount of money of your of your salary of your wealth can be like applied to this football team. Otherwise, you're gonna have these situations. You're gonna have teams who are able to afford 200 million pound players, and other teams who don't even have 200 million pounds. Mm-hmm. So, what's the difference if like a team gets to play additional games and make more money? It's it's not that. It's, it takes away the spirit of competition. The, oh, I mean, I mean, you, you, you look at you look at the FA Cup. People talk about yeah. the giant killings when oh Burnley destroyed Arsenal, which is more yeah. likely to happen than anything else. People talk about that. That's what makes the FA Cup so magical because the situation mm-hmm. that happens. But in the ESL, it doesn't. You don't have that. You know. Yeah. You get nothing for coming. Like when Spurs come dead last in the ESL, which is a fact, it's going to happen. Fuck you, Spurs. You know <laughs> what do they get? They just get three hundred million. It's like oh, we tried three hundred million though. There's no relegation. Yeah. There's no getting kicked out. You're, you're set in that spot, which is not fair. If you come dead last, oh, you should, maybe you get kicked out of the league and someone the else comes is, in. The reality is, Jimmy, though, the league isn't fair. You know, football isn't fair. There's no fair yeah. fairness in football. You have teams who have ridiculous amounts of money who can afford better players and more likely to win titles, provide them with more money for them to be able to buy more players and et cetera, et cetera. It keeps going. There's a chance, a slim chance, like Leicester, for example, who are able to capitalize on poorly... Pl- like poorly performing teams in a league and then maybe somehow win the league, right? That happened. It happened. To this day, I'm still scratching my head. I can't believe that Leicester won it, but they did. So if you're, if you're still funneling more like, money into these teams, 
City were still funneling money that year. United were still funneling money. Spurs, Liverpool, all these teams are still billion, like billion, um, billion pound empires. They still lost. So it's still, there's still a chance that these teams can attain, like attain glory. They can still win. They can still reach the top. It's just unlikely. <laughs> it's more and more unlikely. But it's, it's, it's. We're going in that direction anyway. We're going into the direction of a set top four. It, yeah, that's guaranteed in England. That that is set more so in other countries, but it has a sense of of elitism, which isn't right. Elitism is wrong. Just because we're we're told we're better because manage our money better or like we've got a richer owner. We've got no history. Look at City. Up until like 10 years ago, they had no history. And now they're seen as an elite team because they they bought their way in. And how can can that be classed as a super team? Because of money. Well, yeah, but like money rules everything though. I I can't go to Hakkasan every day. I can go to McDonald's every day, right? I don't sit there and say it's unfair. It's not unfair. It's just I don't, I can't afford to go to that, to that restaurant every day. It's the same with the Premier League, same with anything, anything that's financially driven. The, like you said, the NBA is the perfect, or like American sports in general are the perfect example because people aim to go to those teams based on talent. I know that given this set number of players, if I, if I put these players together, it's more likely that I will win a championship, right? The Golden State, who won it, not last year, the year before, they lost it last year because... No, they didn't even make the playoffs last year. They were bottom of the league. <laughs> so that's how like balanced the US can be. You can be the best team in one year, you can be the worst team in the next, right? That will never happen here because everything's financially driven. So if that's the case, if we're not going to change the structure or the system, we might as well just like allow it to just do what it's going to do. It's natural. We're going to get to the stage of Germany, where you have one team winning everything at some stage. Spain, if a, if one of the big players leaves, then it's like throws uh, everything up in the air again. But is Barcelona did Barcelona just win it again, or like they won a trophy the other day? No, it's, it's still, still going to be. They're still going to, but they're still going to be top three or like top four teams per league that will win it year in year out. So if they want to do something separate, if they want to call themselves elite because they have more money in the bank. I think that we should just let them, you know, it's not going to impact. If it doesn't impact us because they didn't have that money anyway, they're still going to be able to attain these players anyway. I don't care. The thing in Germany, what Bayern Munich do is they, they have a stronger hold over Germany because when there's a good player in a German team, they're, they're the first one to sign him up. They got first choice somehow for some reason. They win it every season. And I think yeah. their only real competition is Champions League and they won it last year. Yeah. But... I, so, no, and if it, I'm a Bayern fan, then I would want my team to be in a Super they, League. They said I'd no. See more they, said, they, they said they no. They said no. But I'm saying if I was a fan, I would want that, that team there because I would want to see competition against my team. I don't want to just, bro, come on. Okay, they win, but it must be boring for a Bayern fan now. Oh, we won by five this time instead of by six. What? That gets boring. I want to see. That's why, honestly, when United was at the top, yeah, of course, I was having a great time. But when they started losing, when they, like, now they're, like, fighting... I'm celebrating the fact that they're second now. You know, these are like, I feel like I'm, the team is doing better. Like, it's, it's more like enjoyable to watch them because they're struggling. Yeah. Whereas if I'm just watching the same team year in, year out, win, no competition whatsoever, uh, I'm, I'm the kind of player who, uh, person who I just leave, I'd be like, oh, I'm going to go support someone else because this isn't entertaining me. I would never watch the German League. I, w- I, I would never follow the German League as a fan because it's just inevitable now. Same with the French League. Spanish, as well. I'm sure. Same with the French yeah. League, PSG. Exactly. It can't happen. It's just an elite, it's a form of elitism that shouldn't be there. At least with what it is now, there's still an outside chance. I mean, look at West Ham, they're, they're up there, they're fighting for Champions League spots. But 
you know, I'll say Arsenal get 300 million a year. It, it, it doesn't give them a chance. Yeah, you can say, yeah, so they're, they're never going to qualify for Champions League. So no matter if they come set, you know, 12th, they're going to be in ESL. So it gives the other teams a chance to get the Champions League. But it takes away the thrill of the Champions League when you've got the teams that people come to watch it for. I mean, you look at these like bloody nobodies in India. No, there's like poor people in India that like football or Brazil. They're like, they know about the Champions League. So yeah, because we saw the Barcelona, we saw them play Slavia Prague, Prague team or Sporting. <laughs> Cristiano Ronaldo only got found because of a, a match against Man United. He was scouted yeah. a bit, but because he played them, United snapped them up the, ne- the next day, the main offer, the death of that, he was officially signed. It takes away the opportunity for those players to get seen on a big brand stage. Players that come from little teams can literally be snapped up the next season to like, say, a middle team and then to a big team. And you look at um, Haaland, uh, something Haaland. He plays for uh, Borussia Dortmund now, but he used to play for this yeah. nobody Norwegian team, Molde. And then he went to this, uh, this other team. They're like bomb shit in the middle of nowhere and nothing league. And he got recognised and everyone went to sign him, but he chose to go to Dortmund. It, but people saw how good he was by watching him in the Champions League and how well he did against the big teams like Barcelona and Madrid. So if he's in a little team performing well against these big teams, it, it, people take more recognised. But say he performed like that against a, an Everton or a West Ham, it's like, well, that's not that difficult, is it? It, it gives players less potential of being signed up and have a better life. I'm, I'm, trying to, I'm trying to understand the correlation here between these teams being part of something separate and earning more money, even though they already have a lot of money and they're able to afford these top players anyway, and how that's going to impact the smaller teams getting to the Champions League. Are you saying because they have the money, they're more likely to become top, to be top four? Yeah, they're more likely to be the top teams because, come on, if you're getting 300 million a season, what, what is that financial fair play? They can drop the money they want to get any player from any little team because you throw enough money at it, no, no player is going to say no. No club can say, can say no to that because football is so dodgy. Right. It's, it's like FIFA is like the most corrupt organization in the world. Right. Okay. I, I guess that. I guess that from now. Again, let's say. So you're um, saying you're more likely to lock in that top four if um, if they have that money and they're able to fund those. Yeah. Amazing. Okay. Yeah, it's, it's like, uh, let's take our friendship group. We, me, you and Raj, were the ESL of the friendship group. We created our own little super. Of course. <laughs> of course. You know? and, <laughs> and we know the others hated it. Yeah, but it didn't stop. It, there wasn't a, it didn't stop an opportunity for the rest of the friendship group to be friends with us, right? Yeah, it didn't, but there's no money involved. Yeah, okay. Well, I just, do you know, my reason, my issue with this is... You can make I mean, the, the reality is... Yeah, I want to see the best teams yeah. play each other all the time. You want the best, the but, best. My, but I guess my issue with this as well is like, I, I'm the kind of person who, if I feel like something's inevitable, I'm not going to fight it, right? And again, it goes back to my point, the first point I made. I'm not, this isn't a priority for me. I'm not going to like head to the streets. Like today, I don't even know if the United Liverpool game went ahead because people were processing on the, like on the pitch. I just don't... <sighs> Yeah, it's, I'm not that invested in, in my team, essentially, because they don't pay me anything. <laughs> All they do is entertain me. That's literally it. They entertain me for 90 minutes and sometimes not even. So I just, yeah, I'm not that concerned. But if I feel like something's inevitable, then why, why fight it? Because, bro, okay, yeah, they, okay, they, they stopped the ESL. But aren't they saying that, I think it's like in 2024, um, there are going to be two set, two set teams in the Champions League. Regardless yeah. of who gets top four, 
some teams will be in there regardless. Yes. So isn't that the exact same thing? Someone spoke to him about. They reckon the Super League was just a a smoke screen for the new Champions League right. changes. So people are like, yeah, because they're they're making more games. They're making more teams in there, and they're making more games. They don't care about players' health. They're like, you're paying an extra thirty six games a year. I mean, that's increases risks of injuries and you know players' health and like mental well being. It's like, and then you want them to play in the summer tournaments as well. And have in- random international friendlies. If I was players, I'd be like, I don't want to be in the friendly. Just say I'm injured. Yeah. yeah, you should represent your country and all that. But they're obviously making these players play more so they can make more money. Yeah, it's yeah. it's it's money rules everything, Jamie. Yeah, it's the Premier League. The Premier League is a business, or the FIFA and the FA are a business. They they're just trying to make as much money as possible within a year, and that means funnel more players and more teams into leagues, more games, more TV deals. They don't care. They've never cared about the, uh, the players' uh, welfare because they just care about money. So that's why I don't care. <laughs> you know, if I get entertained, I get entertained. That's all I care about now. What, what people are saying, right, is that football is dying. They don't know if it's going to be able to survive in the future. Well, they're saying that not many people watch it anymore. It's, it's not more of like diehard as what it was before. And yeah. I thought about it. It's like, well, yeah, they've got a point. Because when I was a kid, when I was, you know, of my 23 years of age, when I was younger, we could watch mm-hmm. the Champions League on on like ITV, couldn't we, for free? Now you got to have pay like what, forty for Sky or BT to like watch a game. Yeah. So BT and Sky having an oligopoly on it kind of ruins it for everyone. And you're saying that ITV well, bought the rights to the Premier League? I heard that. Yeah, I heard that they bought some kind of rights. But then if they buy the rights, it's not going to be free. They'll just set up like an ITV Sports, and it'll be a paid yeah. membership. Like I was it's happy when cool. Amazon started playing some Premier League games. It's like, yeah, why don't yeah, Amazon do that? Yeah. I mean, no one can yeah, stop yeah, Amazon. Yeah. If they did it, they'd be like, yeah, we want the game. Fuck off. We're playing for free. We don't give a shit. Okay, <laughs> tell the truth. If the ESL was free, would you change your mind? I'd watch it. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. No, you no, son no, of a bitch. No, no. You no, would I wouldn't change your mind. I'd, I'd watch it, but I still think it's wrong. Because you'd look at the Premier League. The Premier League would be like, well, who gives a shit about it? You just watch. It's probably better for the players' health because they're playing less games. But again, it's just, it's just it's a form of elitism. I'm just fully against elitism because mm. I've been discriminated against that. As we previously mentioned, in the <laughs> I get that, no, I get that, but I just think that there are fundamental issues here that need to be addressed. Until you address them, what the system does, it's irrelevant to me. If they want to continue doing the same thing, they're doing the same thing. If they want to address it, then that—that's the big, that's the right thing to do. Just yeah. be address financial fair play, address players' welfare, selection process for like maybe like a draft system. People are so against this idea of having a draft because. I think people just hate the idea that Americans are taking over the sport because most of the uh, owners who were behind the ESL, they were all American. I think English people just hate that mm-hmm. idea that they're taking over the sport. But it's a good idea having a draft system, giving the smaller teams more of a chance to win so you don't have these dominant five teams in a league. That makes sense to me. But saying to someone, uh, oh, it's unfair for you to make even more money because you want to set up something uh, separate? Oh, I think there needs to be some same, sort of same, control. Same, same. Some sort of control because like the big teams are coming like sign a 16 year old out of nowhere and it's like well that's not really fair and there needs to be some sort of say okay you can sign him but you can't have him until he's like 20 because have in brazil you can sign him at say, 15 you can sign someone yeah. at 12 but they can't legally come over to your team until they're 18 so there needs to be more protection like that just so they spend more time at the club like yeah you can do that but you can't play them yeah or, you know more money needs to be paid to the club uh, they got, can get them on like little con they got like release clauses so they can pay basically nothing to get them that's true yeah, yeah football's fucked let's just yeah. be honest 
sports park. But I, I was going to say, you know who would have been a good guest to have uh, have on while we had this discussion? Kara's boyfriend, Van. Van. He's very passionate about this. He's involved in the in like the sport itself. It would have been good to see, get his perspective on how that would have impacted, like ESL would have impacted like the youth teams or like the foundation level of football. Because that that was on my mind, you know. How is it going to impact the, oh, I can't remember what they're called, the academies. Mm-hmm. How is it going to affect an academy for like a smaller team that is trying to bring players into the league, but everyone's getting bought? I shouldn't actually, should it? I mean, I don't know. So, yeah, that's why it would have been good to have. I can't see affecting academies, but, you know, it'll probably give the other teams more chance to invest in their academies. And then all the play- kids would want to go, yeah, I want to play at their academy. And then yeah. it's like good players that probably if they stayed at a place like Reading or something would develop into, like, top Premier League players. that would be like, yeah, the, the, the international players, guaranteed. Mm-hmm. Since they're staying at United, they're not the best anymore because they're getting less play time, less attention. Yeah. They, their the skills just diminish. So for being what potentially could have been an England international, it's just like, yeah, I guess you can go play in America, you know, be one of their, like, little, get a little recognition from there or go play in, like, Cyprus miniature leagues or whatever. I'm interested in seeing what happens with the, uh, what's it called, the uh, American League. Yeah, American <laughs> Soccer League with uh, the new team and all that, Beckham's team. Yeah, what's it? Oh, that's a need, though. They've got, they got, they got two conferences. They've got a North div- uh, something division and another division. And then West, they're like... Yeah, East and West. But also, why is American sports jerseys so expensive? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah, it's America, though. Everything's expensive. I know. Do you want to pick your favourite song of the week now? Um, Yes, actually. I've got a great one. Wait, I, I need to remember this. MLS. Jesus MLS! Christ. Major, Major League Soccer. Major yes. League Soccer. Jamie, you're gaslighting me. <laughs> <laughs> My favourite song... Uh, is by a group who haven't released anything since 2015. Uh, I love their music and I'm really glad that their new album is coming out in June. They released a new single called Red, Red Room. There's two. There's Red Room and Get Sun. These are the two new singles from their upcoming project. They're called Hiatus Coyote. I freaking love them. Check them out. But Red Room, that's the one for today. Woo! How about you, Jamie? What's your uh, song of the episode? Mine also follows like a TV show recommendation for people. Okay, so the TV show I recommend and highly recommend is Zoe's Extraordinary Playlist. Like it's it's about this girl. She goes for an MRI scan. It goes wrong, and now she can hear people's like inner songs. So say okay. a song that fits someone's emotion. They did an Ed Sheeran song mm-hmm. because it was for her parents. Like her, her dad's got uh, Lou Gehrig's, so he's trapped in his own body. And okay. so she basically witnessed them like do a little dance saying how they, they're in love and they're still in love no matter what they're going through. So she hears that, so they call them heart songs and they play really good okay. songs. And they had this one recently, a Demi Lovato song, mm-hmm. because it's about how no one's, this woman's got postpartum depression and no one, her sister-in-law and no one, she's trying, mm-hmm. no one's, she's asking for help, but not directly. She's sending out little yeah. signals and everyone's ignoring her until she keeps hearing her song, a Demi Lovato one, anyone, that's that's my song recommendation. I like sad songs. It's not because I'm a sad person. I'm a very happy person. I just like, I'm there like, yeah, feeling it. This is a shower song. Like in Vogue, Don't Let Go. That's a shower song. Oh, now you hit me in the field right there. That song gets you, gets you there. Mm. Yes. I don't know what they're feeling. Never experienced in my life, but I feel the song. I get what they're doing. That's uh, banging on the bathroom yeah. wall. Singing along kind of song, yeah. Okay, yeah, guys. Let, let me tell you a little story about that song in Vogue. It was, we was at uni, me and Momo lived next door to me. He had uh, the room next door. I remember sure. I, I woke up from a nap. I just heard this song. 
this shit is like the voice of an angel. Angels like coming mm-hmm. through my walls. I was like, what is this song? I step out and I hear it come from Mo's door. And I knock on his door. I was like, Mo, what song is this? I went, oh, it's in Vogue. Don't let go. I'm like, this song is amazing. It changed my life. You're welcome. He's like, have you never <laughs> heard this song? It's to a film with like with Jada Pinkett Smith's in it. Like, I've never heard mm-hmm. of it. And I just blast it. That's why it's that's why it's good to have black friends, people. Diversify your group, you know? You hear new music, new film recommendations, you know? It's just, it's good. In it, and also, they're the ones that do the dancing in the clubs, and you can be like, yeah, cool, I'm just going to drink. Rotted. Okay, last little thing I'll say. Jamie, have you seen what's going on in clubs right now? Are we just getting that old? Bro, apparently, so this is started in the US, but it's most likely going to carry on here as well. Kids are doing TikTok dances in clubs. What? Yeah. No. no, I'm never gonna go clubbing ever again. No, I'm going to bars, mm-hmm. strictly bars now. Cl- imagine standing in a club, and here's the mad thing. Okay, let them do the dance, right? But people cir- like circle around them, and just watch, watch one person doing a TikTok dance. You Where know what? It? I worry about the youth sometimes. I really do. I worry about the next like what? What's the world gonna be like? Because they're the future leaders, and we're finished. You know what, man? What's that? It's old right now. We need to end this. <laughs> that's the that's the like listening in, guys. We uh, are young, I promise. Again, I, I'm 22. I'm goddamn 48. Yeah. All right, guys. Good talk. All right. Till next time. Bye bye.